Hey everybody, this is Drew. And it's Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. Buddy. Welcome to episode 78. We're going to be tackling two games and a TV show. And before we get into that, let me go ahead and shoot through our internet presence preamble. You can find us on all the social media things, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and as well as Discord and Reddit, just by searching the name of the podcast. We've been doing a lot lately on Twitch, which with our two smoke controllers presents three smoke controllers co-op endeavors, uh, we want to thank everyone who's been joining in on that and hanging out with us. Uh, right now, we're going through grounded, grounded, grounded already. Yeah, a little bit. Right now, we're going through grounded. Uh, we also have a Patreon that anyone can sign up for. Uh, that's you know just to help pay more than anything, pay Maladen for his art. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also have a, a Spotify playlist that includes every song that Drew has recommended at the end of the podcast, as well as a few little side notes that are thrown in there as well, but all the music that has played on the podcast thus far. Speaking of music, right now you should be hearing a bed of music. And if you want to hear your music on a podcast or you are a band and you would like your music represented on the end of the episode... Uh, you can send it to us at the number two smokecontrollers at gmail.com. And you just send it to us and we'll go through it and see where if it's, you know, music bed for here or it needs to be something for the end. Just, you know, let us know. We also have a lock stock store. Uh, we got, what, koozies, beanies, a glorious pair of underwear, shirts, and we're actually... Did you did you submit the three smoking controllers T-shirt idea yet? I have to. I did, but like, it, pretty soon we'll have uh, three smoking controllers stuff on the store, which frankly has some badass art. I love it. I love the. Uh, I, I, I let Maladen go. I share it every time now. I post every time I post for the for that. I, it's 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 included. That's awesome. It's fantastic <laughs> art. As I said just a minute ago, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, stuff like that. Uh, you can email us at the number two smoke controllers at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. A little bit of self promotion on my part. We have a brother podcast called Action, the movie podcast, where myself and uh, another good friend of ours, Steve, uh, we take turns semi surprising each other with movies that we don't discuss at all until we record. So that way you're getting our first impressions and we're not affecting the other one's opinion. So it's pretty, have a good time with that. And I have a uh, short story that I published, self-published on Amazon called They Come This Night. Uh, feel free to to hunt that down and rate it and all that fun stuff to hack the algorithm. It's, uh, 
it's free if you have uh, Kindle Unlimited, and if you don't, it's just a buck. You know, at the very least, you can read it and tell me how bad I suck, and I'll just be like, oh, thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh, I think that about sums up everything. Also, if you don't feel like Googling any of this or searching any of this, there are links to all this in the show notes. Yeah. And, and I just now added last week's last episode's song to the playlist because I always forget. I did that while you were talking. That's that's pretty good. Now, for the first time ever, we've put a little bit of thought into this, so we're actually going to do a bit of a a sandwich concept. <laughs> I'm going to talk about a game. Now I'm hungry. I'm going to talk about a game, and then we'll speak about another game. But then the final thing, the TV show, will actually be what the first game is based off of. So do a little, a little bit of that. I thought it would be prevalent. Is that the right word? Maybe I don't know. I, I wanted to sound smart. We go to the first game, which I, I didn't play at all, and kind of on purpose because I didn't care nothing about it. But I had it on GameFly specifically for you. The first game we'll be tackling is Troll Hunters. Defenders of Arcadia. It is developed by WayForward Technologies, who have since dropped the technologies. Now they're just called WayForward, but because they are, as besides making a bunch of video games, they also dabble in industrial computer programming. As a matter of fact, they got their start in what is it? In 1994, actually in 1990, based out of Valencia. California and their founder Valdi Way was just a programmer who working at a sheet metal fabrication company and it was his company and he designed the program that made sure the machine cut this length and that length and it was like yo this is super fun (laughs) (laughs) and they've been very active Uh, you can make a lot of money off a program like that oh yeah to sell it to the right people oh yeah so he did that in 90 and then up to 94, uh, he was, he got kind of bored with that and was like, I can do a lot of stuff with the computer. And video games are starting to kind of come on the, you know, begin to rise more in more popularity. They weren't just for nerds in the 80s, but like they were coming slightly more mainstream. It's funny because I like, people talk about video games for nerds. I never once got bullied for playing video games as a kid, unlike some people in like the 80s and 70s. Yeah, maybe it was maybe maybe it was a thing in the seventies and eighties. Maybe I don't know. Did they have games in the seventies? Maybe I've been more in the eighties. Yeah. I, I always hung around with people who played video games. So exactly, it was a cool thing to do. Mostly me, me and you just hung out and played video games. Yeah, you know, we well, we found a lot of friends. We played. all the neighborhood kids played games. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, like I always say, how the funny how time is different. When we were younger, we used to play video games all day, play outside all day. And watch TV all day, all in the same day. Doesn't make any sense. It's mind-boggling. The majority of the games they've made have all been handhelds. 
handheld yeah. and now Lee mobile. Ford sounds familiar. I feel like I should know who they are. Well, when I get into a couple of things, you might it might spark a thing. So, like I said, primarily mobile, including Game Boy, Color, Advance, DS, Vita, 3DS, mobile, as well as a learning apparatus called Leapster. Because uh, uh, in 94, besides taking a four-way foray into video games, they actually signed a thing with the American Education Publishers to specifically design uh, learning games for young, young kids. Mm-hmm. Which is where a lot of their primary stuff came about it was all like learning programs you know using words to word searches and math i don't think they necessarily did math blasters but games like that yeah like word puzzles Mm -hmm. and then in 97 they got a really cool deal where they were exclusive to muppet video games temporarily but they were exclusive to muppet video games and they got kind of tired of the I, i can assume they would get tired of that and so they started trying to branch out and do other things but at the end of the day, a lot of their stuff is also targeted towards children. Not necessarily learning, but it is for children and young adults, for certain. But they do have two relatively, well, one much larger than the other, like franchises under their belt. Their first one, which is their smaller one, is called the Mighty Series. There's like Mighty Switch, Mighty Flip, Mighty Guide. And it's uh, it started on the 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 DSI network with touch controls and then it went to the Wii U and the 3DS and it's it's a bunch of side-scrolling platformers that involve a lot of touch controls that look kind of cool but mm. not necessarily my cup of tea yeah not cool enough uh, but their big thing is a is a, a little genie girl called Shantae uh, with yeah. the purple hair and the red outfit I, I know I know of her but I haven't played them but the, they, they're her they created everything. And anytime they've been a remake or something, they've been at least involved in it. I think that started on the Game Boy, maybe Game Boy Color. I have no idea. But they've been doing that for a while. And then around 94 to 97, they were like kids and Muppets and kids and Muppets. And then in 97, they decided to, hey guys, we're going to back away and do a few other things. And so they literally just became a developer for hire. Like, if you want us to help with something, we're your man. And this has led to them developing over 100-plus games. Oh, co-developing? Mm-hmm. Co-developing or just flat out like, hey, this is a project. Uh, go for it. We'll pay you to... It's a bunch of licensed stuff. Yeah-ish. Like I said, a lot of children's things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like one of the things like... The, like the game we're talking about, The game instance. we're talking about for young adults. And you can kind of tell they have a theme. It's a lot of side-scrolling platformers. A lot of them. Yeah. I thought this game turned out to be, wasn't it? We thought it was going to be something else. It turned out to be a side-scrolling platformer. Yeah. We talked about way in the podcast before, side-scrolling platformers are like the easiest thing to develop. So it seems like easy to slap a license onto any kind of side-scrolling thing and kids will love it. Mm-hmm. Younger kids, I mean. I said the majority of the things I have done, the side-scrolling platformers, is just because it's easy. They did have to accidentally make a game. Because it was in around in 2013, they released an April Fool's trailer, just a, a a fake video game, and they were just like, "Haha, April Fool's is not really coming out," because they thought people would hate it, but they just wanted to have something fun to do that day. And it was called Cat Girl Without a Salad. So they put out this trailer, and it is just a bonkers trailer, and 
people liked it. And they're like, uh-oh, you guys like this? <laughs> and with enough fan outcry, uh, they it became a full-fledged game uh, and was released in 2016. And yeah, it, I've never heard of it. It's a PC and Switch. Uh, it's just a plat. It's a how do you explain the game? Because it's bonkers, but it's a bullet hell. But it's also a side-scrolling platform rhythm RPG. Well, sounds like a mess. Yeah. Well, apparently, what happens is it's a bullet hell. Period. But then, as you play through and you pick up new weapons, every weapon you pick up changes the style of gameplay. And it's it's kind of it's it looks sounds complicated. It looks bonkers. But it just look very epilepticy. But anyway, that's kind of like the last. I mean, they're still working on games and stuff now. Like they just put this one out not too long ago. This came out. Troll Hunters, Defenders of the of Arcadia, came out September twenty fourth, twenty twenty. So they're still pump pumping stuff out, you know, left and right. There's never an ending to kids and licensed products. Exactly. So we got all that coming out. They made anything else that you've looked at, or they looked at like what is it? The Saturdays, the kids at the end of the the last kids on Earth. They do all that stuff like that. They've yeah, done video game games for like now. that. They have done a. I don't want to get into them, but they did a. They've done a boatload. Like I said, a hundred plus games, and that's just them developing. If you count um, uh, publishing as well as licensing out and stuff like that from their own product. With the, the helping co-develop Shantae and other Mighty games, they have like 200 plus games that are under their belt. Like it's pretty it's busy, folks. Pretty ridiculous, quite frankly. I'm getting to the Troll Hunters game. At the very best, it's just okay, <laughs> uh, which is sad to say. Uh, I got the 1K in about 11 hours. That's a lot for a 1K for a game you don't really care about. <laughs> yeah, because. It requires you, no matter what, to have to do two playthroughs. Because for whatever reason, there's a difficulty achievement. Uh, beat the game on normal, beat the game on hard. It doesn't stack. So they have a, I think they have a tendency to put out a game and be like, well, this is the game, and move on to the next thing. So that, uh, That's something that should be addressed, but meh, not a lot of people have played this. According to TA, only 521 people had played this game anyway. And 120 had got the 1K. You're in a small elite group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it also has... People on TA will mostly avoid a game where the difficulty doesn't stack. Yeah. But you, I did, did it. Did you explain what stacking was a second ago? I, don't, I didn't, actually. Well, mm-hmm. A difficulty stacking achievement where most games... I don't know why this game didn't. They didn't think about it, I guess. Most games have, if, if have multiple difficulty achievements. Like Halo actually does it. If you play through Halo on... Legendary, and you beat the game, you get legendary, heroic, and normal. And easy. Isn't there an easy? Recruit. I, forget, I know legendary and heroic are the two highest. I think legendary, heroic. But you get, if you, got, you beat a legendary, if you play through one time on legendary, you unlock all the difficulty achievements when you beat the game. It, they, it's called stacking. Uh, this game did not do it for whatever reason. They probably don't even, but they probably didn't think that far into the, because they don't, at some point, are you making a game like, who's going to play this? Who cares? <laughs> Well, they're just trying to like uh, put it out to make it. You know, I doubt these games even come out a full. They better not come out a full sixty. I'd be in. If I would be furious if that was sixty dollars. Oh, look it up while you continue continue about it. I'm gonna get into the depth about the the actual show that it's based off of at the end. But just know 
that it is based off a TV show that was created for Netflix by Guillermo del Toro. So there's a lot of normally twenty twenty four ninety nine. That's it's on sale for ten right now. That's fairly reasonable in all honesty, especially for a kid game. And your kid would, if you bought that kid that game that for that kid for Christmas, he'd love the heck out of it, or she loved the heck out of it. Age, you know? yeah. The game has, oddly enough, a couch co op mode. So I guess daddy or mommy can play with the kid, or if you have siblings, I could have, I could have played with you and coasted me a one k. Probably, or you could honestly, you could have just plugged in and I could have taken care of it. <laughs> I've done that once or twice before. Done like a couch co-op thing and just be like, ah, I just need you here so I can do this. Well, the whole point of the game, let me get to that. It has you basically go everywhere that is a mainstay in the show. Mm-hmm. You go to like Troll Market. You go to the Darklands. You go to Arcadia itself, and you go to the sewers. There's always sewers. There's always. Think about when you play a video game. You, you always go to the sewers. There's always a sewer level in every video game. Think about it. I've and, been playing. Uh, and if you think we're wrong, tell us what game, and then we'll prove you wrong. God, don't, don't put that out there. Somebody <laughs> will find the one game. I swear every game I was playing, I'm playing uh, Trails in the Sky right now, and the first thing you do is go to some sewers. I haven't gone into any sewers yet in La Gaia. You probably will. I'm sure I will. I think there's that one giant, huge tower I have to go to the depths, which is basically anything that's like the depths or the underneath. You're going in the sewers. I don't think of my entire La Gaia. I don't know. But on, on average, most games, as far as I can tell, just about every game, I used to have a friend back in the day. Every time I played a game, I went to a sewer. I would that would send him a picture of me going into the sewer in a video game. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I remember exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. the The game itself is at, is its own standalone story, but it it's the game takes place chronologically, technically, in between. There's three shows: Tales of Arcadia. It takes place between the three shows and the finale movie. It actually takes place. Also, oh, it actually happens after the third show. Mm-hmm. What's cool about it is everyone who does voice work for the TV show came back and reprised their roles for the most part. Now, some of the names are a little bigger, and I'll get to those when I get to the TV show, and they didn't come back. Some but some sound alikes or something. Oh, they just didn't have that character talk. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just didn't have the character talk. Wow, that's funny. The game was voice acted, as you can tell by me talking about their voice actors. You go, like I said, you go everywhere from the TV show. You beat up a bunch of bosses who are mainstays from the show itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess one, one thing we'll talk about with the TV show, we can bring it up here for a second. The show, the t- the TV show is developed by DreamWorks. So it has a, it has a, a graphic, it's a 3D animated show. So mm-hmm. it actually looks pretty decent a lot of the times. Does the game retain any of that like quality or does it just kind of look like a, like a cheaper knockoff of DreamWorks' work? Yeah, but it's not as good. Not as clean. Probably. Not as clean. It's because it's 2D. There's nothing 3D. But, still, but it still uses the 3D. I mean, I'm, I'm saying like, I'm trying to say like like detail wise and graphic wise, so that they cut back for the sake of it being a video game. Because you know DreamWorks is like is a big animation for the, studio for the character models and specifically Troll Market. That seemed to be a lot of where a lot of they their did effort was, and everything else is just like a repeating landscape. Oh, here's a jump. There's a gap. Jump. 
you know, and it's just kind of by humbug. You also get uh, character assists throughout the game who are some of your friends. And then because the game itself actually involves uh, time travel, you go back and befriend some enemies that you have in the game and they help you to stop the quote-unquote time-pocalypse from Porgon, the trickster troll. You have to go try to prevent him and that leads to a whole series of events. And then, like... They can't have it affect the thing, the game too much yeah. and, and time travel. So by the end of it, it's kind of like, oh, we beat Porgon and we save the timeline by resetting it to the way it's supposed to be. So no one knows any of this happened. Just like Wonder Woman 84. The movie was terrible. Anyway, and that's that's it for the game. It's just kind of like I played it and I almost didn't want to play it because I played I spent like the first night. I was like, oh, God, this is terrible. <laughs> And then I looked and I was like, how long to beat? And like TA. And they're like, oh, it's, you know, get through it really quickly. And like 11 it, hours. Say 11 hours. What did the thing say for actual, for everybody else? Uh, Probably like 8 to 10. But you can't pause and shit and stuff like that. It says 10 to, 10 to 12. Okay, so I did it like right on the money. Uh, that's rare for you. Yeah. I game, first game without a, without a guy because it was all just like cumulative. Keep, so a many, lot of so many kills, beat these levels. Beat every ball. Normal and hard. And then there are collectibles, but the guy, because the, you can chapter select, and it tells you what you're missing. The only problem is, like, you have to kind of guess. It's like, oh, you're missing. Because you have some, like, they're collectibles. So all, all of the people who made this had some sort of relevance to the TV show, or they were told about certain things. Because so some of the collectibles you got were pointless. Yeah. Like, you were collecting socks, which is funny ish if you watch the show because trolls love smelly stinky socks the smellier the stinkier they love it you're like oh okay that's funny and then one of the other things you collect is a thing called a horn gozzle it's not a sexual term it's it's an actual item that allows the people to use uh to like draw a door and get the troll market and you would pick that up and you would unlock a secret area to give you a bunch of like the in-game currency it's still relevant okay yeah. that one was relevant are you, are you getting one that's not <sighs> You made a pointer saying, making it sound like there's some irrelevant collectibles no, that I mean, they, they, they mention. They just didn't do anything. Oh, and the gnomes. You could collect little gnomes. Gnomes are all through the series. Yeah. But, like, again, they didn't do anything. Like, the socks didn't do anything. Yeah, but yeah, I have collectibles for kids to get excited to get a collectible. Yeah. The socks, you could trade the socks in to somebody in town for. So they do something. They didn't do anything. They're like, hey, here's some consumable items that you don't need. I guess. <laughs> and the, the, the gnomes, the only thing they were for, they were for a, a mini game that you needed to do for an achievement. And the mini game, the achievement for the mini game was making it through all stages of the mini game with the only, without losing any gnomes. Yeah. So I could literally, it, it was dumb. That was like my least favorite part of the game. Yeah. And then what I say, the horn gozzle for making the um, the doors. So like they were all prevalent, pre- prevalent, but I don't know if they knew that or if they were told, hey, can you include these things because they're part of the game. Yeah. This, this, this wasn't a passion project. No, God, no. Heck no. That's kind of it for the game. And I'll, I'll talk about the TV show uh, when we get to it, but that was kind of it for the game. It's not... I played it... 
And the only reason I'm really talking about it is so I can talk about the show. I'll be honest. Yeah. Before, before you know that, I mean, you do, we 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 almost never do games with difficulty achievements. Like we don't do one case if there's a difficulty achievement. So what what made you do this hard playthrough, and what was it like? Because everything said that it was easy, uh, even on hard, that it's easy. So I had to play through and get all the collectibles and everything. On normal. On normal, and then I literally just ran through. Didn't worry about collecting crap. See, like something like you can. Uh, what was it like the uh, first? Wolfenstein, like Wolfenstein on, on the Xbox One, where you just sprint through the checkpoints on the highest difficulty. Kinda, just kind of just ran through everything until you get to the bosses, and then the bosses, the the I don't want to call it muscle memory necessarily because I only have to fight each boss once, but just how fairly simplistic. And even if you die, you get three lives before it's over, and then when you die, you restart back to Troll Market, and I just warp to the last checkpoint. That leads not to last checkpoint necessarily, but the level closest. I'm I still have to run through like half a level or a but third of a level. It wasn't that very very difficult. I don't think. I think I died on like the actually I died on the boss before last on my hard difficulty. Other than that, it was just kind of like oh, I know how to do this. But on hard, they did have extra attacks and slightly different patterns, so they at least did that. I think I am ready to That's fine. move the, on. Needless to say, the show was more interesting than the the game, for sure. Very much so. Okay. We're supposed to be a little, a little more time on the show on the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we didn't want this to be um, only about a game that Blake only played and about a TV show. I mean, I watched the show with him. We watched the show, all three shows. We're getting that three shows and a movie mm-hmm. at the end. So we kind of th- threw in another game that we've both played uh, in the middle here. Uh, just to change things up a bit to make this not just a troll hunters episode it's been a while since we played this game actually but we both we got the, you got the 1k in this other game right mm-hmm. i did yeah so we both got the 1k in this game in different different amounts of time but we'll we'll talk about i'll let blake intro it now and we'll get into this uh game we have in the middle here so our next game we'll be talking about is called lost words beyond the page came out April 5th, 2021, and is developed by Sketchbook Games. They're a 10-person team. They're based out of the UK, specifically Essex, and this is their first game they've done. Nice. Kind of unique for a first game. Yeah, it's it's quite unique and oddly enough, fairly similar to Way Forward in the way that the game is. It's obvi- it's Unfortunately, it is another side-scrolling platformer that uses a slight twist in its game mechanics. And I'll get to that here shortly. It was uh, originally released exclusively on the Stadia in March 27th, 2020, but since the Stadia has since been given up on, it, they re-released it for other things because they wanted to make more money, which is fair. can't believe anybody would like there are a lot of folks. There's a couple of things that people like. I like made a game like exclusive to Stadia, 
That's weird. Like, I don't know. Google had to be like writing some checks or something because there's no game developer to be like, yeah, this is the future. Like, this is where I want my game to be on a untested platform. I just, I mean, obviously it's gone now because there was no no real support for it. But I just, I don't know. It's so strange that Google just had to be writing checks. No, left and right. There's just this no modern developer and be like, yeah, this is where this is where it's at. You know, put it only on the Stadia that barely anybody has this is where I want my game it is kind of bonkers one kind of interesting cool thing I want to get into is the actual writer for Lost Words mm-hmm. it's a woman named uh, Rihanna Pratchett who's actually the daughter of Terry Pratchett a famed uh, fantasy author and he he I'll get to him briefly he's responsible for like Discworld he co-wrote Good Omens with Neil Gaiman. He's got a pretty large, uh, spanning bibliography. He's been writing for a long time. But this isn't about him necessarily. This is about his his daughter. But uh, yeah, just like his, it's his daughter. So she she wrote books before this game. Uh, ish in a sense. Uh, she has actually not written a single book. She has written a boatload of video games. That's it. Has she written a book before this? Ish. But no. Well, she's written comic books based off works that she's done. And she's written a couple of tabletop games and gaming books. If that counts. Um, Is that your ish? Yeah. But as far as like video games. Or novels. Yeah. As far as video games, it's all pro- like all kind of interesting things. I'll go through her list of credits kind of quickly just so you can... Only problem is some of these games are definitely cooler than this one. Really? Oh, God, yes. I don't know that one. Don't know that one. Okay, uh, she co-wrote Heavenly Sword. Mm-hmm. She co-wrote the original Overlord, as well as this expansion pack. Uh, Mirror's Edge. She's been around for a while. Actually, she's co-written... Looks like all the Overlords, actually. The franchise that could come back. Yeah. There's only two of them on there. Three of them. There's three. Uh, Viking Battle for Asgard. We played that. Yeah. That she, was a... Uh... That was actually a pretty cool Xbox game, wasn't it? Yeah. Then, like I said, Mirror's Edge. She did additional writing for the Prince of Persia. Uh, Which one? 2008 one, just Prince of Persia by Ubisoft. I think that game is sitting behind you on the shelf. I never played it all the way yeah. through. It's the one where you, the one where people complain about you can't die in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, she well the English localization for Risen. Oh, really? Yeah. As well as a randomly the she's the only the sole writer for the Telltale's CSI Fatal Conspiracy. <laughs> did we okay th- that? I think we did. <laughs> is, that, is that on the pod? No, no, we wouldn't have no, done no, on the no, podcast. That was prior. I think that's something we did. What back in the day where we one K that because you could just play through like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. It's a Telltale game. Apparently, yeah. She also did additional writing on Bioshock Infinite and Infinite Burial at Sea. She did like additional like background dialogue and just kind of That's cool. For back to the Risen stuff real quick. Just just the first one? Just the first one. It no says other, no other games from Piranha that's Piranha Bytes. No yeah, it says co-writer of English localization for Piranha Bytes slash Deep Silver. Just for uh, I want to want watch you to do the other two Risen games. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was busy when they were doing that. She well she, as it goes on she gets a little more like more involved because she's deep in the gaming industry yeah uh, besides those she's actually the lead writer for both Tomb Raider and Rise of Tomb Raider 
She didn't have anything to do with Shadow, but she was Tomb Raider and Rise of Tomb Raider. Yeah, they're they're hearing about the, not relevant, I don't have it relevant, but about the the rumors of them rebooting that again. Yeah. I still got Shadow on our game fly somewhere, because I figured we might as well play all three of them. She also did the, it's weird, it's, it's, does it say, this is the only one that says that in, in Thief, she was story, as well as storyboard artist and cinematic director. The yeah. the uh, the 2014 one, and now here are some kind of offshoots. Something called Rival Kingdoms, which I don't know anything about that. Mm-mm. And that was 2015. She redid the Overlord Fellowship of Evil, which is the third one. This game we're talking about, Lost Words Beyond the Page, and her last two things. One's called Dance of Death, Delac and Fay, which is I'm not entirely sure what that is. Set in 1988, features legendary figures of Lancelot and Morgan Le Fay, as well as historically Mary Jane Kelly on their joint hunt for the serial killer Jack the Ripper. That's weird, but could be interesting. Who knows? And then her final thing right now was in 2020, uh, where she was the writer for Surgeon Simulator 2. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. What that is. This is funny dialogue. Maybe this is funny dialogue. People in the background just saying stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. That game's not about the writing. And like I said, she did comic books. She actually did uh, a Mirror's Edge comic book, two different Tomb Raider comic books, and then uh, Legends of Red Sonja. She did a couple issues of that. So she's kind of all over the place, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like Like I said, she's deep into, like you said, she was deep into the the video games all over the place and playing all sorts of stuff that we've enjoyed. Yeah, I wish the uh, Overlord games were a little better. I still stand by the first one, yeah. and I couldn't beat the second one for some reason, but I'm definitely... Was it a spider boss you couldn't beat or something? Something like that, but I'm definitely open to replaying them. Like, definitely, because I never beat them. I don't think I beat any of them. Yeah, Overlord 1's behind you on the shelf. I don't see 2. Or... I'm, I've looked at it. Then we bought three digitally or something like that, or got it on gold on gold because it has co-op, but the co-op was so broken and unplayable we couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I tried playing it solo by myself, but it wasn't super great neither. So that's her. Like she has, unfortunately, this game is not as cool as some of those. Though there's cool stuff in here. There's though. some cool. There is some cool things, but as far as like action packed and stuff like some of these are, yeah, be action packed to be good. Mm-mm. I mean, we beat this game. We, yeah. If you beat, I mean, we beat that. Get this game in two of the two meter games that she wrote. Yeah. What else have you beaten of hers? I. Th- you didn't beat Mirrors. Well, I beat Vikings. Battle for. Oh, yeah, we didn't beat Vikings. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you just, you say, don't, don't talk bad about this game. It's no, a game, no. you, game you played all the way through and no, and enjoyed, enjoyed it. I, so, did, I, mean, I did enjoy it. And it is this game is unique. Yeah. So we can get into it. Uh, I I I got. I, just go ahead and off top. I did beat the game. I cleared the one K in about six hours. Yeah, mine's four and a half. Which is fair. It is a two D side scrolling platformer, mm-hmm. as we as we now know. It actually follows a cool thing where it is a dual story, because the whole point of this is you're playing a girl named Izzy, and you're given a diary from your grandma. And she, because she wants you to keep writing because you want to be an author when you grow up, which is kind of cute. And so you're writing stuff like in your diary in the real world. You're like, oh, dear diary, today I hung out with grandma and we went to the beach and caught some fish. Yeah, this is voiced. It, 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 it is all voiced. 
know, as you're going through, your grandma's like, grandma is supporting you and telling you to keep writing and work on your new story. And so you turn the page after going to a day with grandma, and you're like, story, what did well, I leave off? You're about to say, like, this, that's, has, she's writing it, it's voiced, and she's narrating, and you're a little character running along the words, and certain, wor- certain words are colored, and, like, you jump on them, and they light things up and put art onto the, onto the yeah. book. Like, it's, like you're, you're missing Well, the I'm little, getting to yeah. it. But I think it's pretty neat. And you do, there's little, these little collectibles. I forget what they're, asterisks? Asterisks. Asterisks. And you, if you, you collect those, there's a cheaper for getting all of them, I think. But if you collect those, it like it scrawls little other little story notes in the side of the book. Like it's all looks really cool. That's before you even get to like what he's going to say. There's there's a whole other side of this. That's before you even get to the other side of this. Is they could have made a whole game just on running through a diary. Yeah. Well, well, I'll get to that because Drew talks about kind of perfect example. Is we say, dear diary, today me and grandma went to the beach, and you would hop along. You like. You would like grandma would be blue. You'd jump on the you'd click the asterisks above grandma, and then a splash art of like, you and grandma in the background. And you like went to the beach, and then it the the page would fill up with sand. Like the beach would be blue, and when you landed on beach, it would like you said splash out the art. Yeah, and then and it was like to collect some fish, and then you hit fish, and then like a part above fish would be a, a microscopic picture of like you and grandma. With like little fishnets on the beach, and, it, and then the whole thing is uh, not choreographed, is uh, plotted and planned to be a big splash art of what's being said, and it's a gorgeous. It is a gorgeous. Yeah, the, the, the entire game could have been this. It's uh, like what watercolor or something, right? Yeah, yeah. it is. <clears throat> I got gameplay playing in the background for us. So gonna see it. Very gorgeous artwork. Looks really cool. Yeah. The game itself, one of the cool things kind of that Rihanna Pratchett wanted to convey, because the game itself is uh, supposed to be a fun romp, and then as you go into it, it gets a little darker. And as you go into it, you have the blue asterisks with have happy-go-lucky, and then every now and again you'll come across a black asterisk that when you hit it, a, a dark thought will come across and like darken the whole page. Yeah. Like, cause it is a young woman going through some, some serious issues. Like, not like she, you know, something super messed up and dark, but the whole, the game does cover, uh, what's this quote from, from Rihanna? The, Okay. The team later decided to okay. The levels of the game are based on the five stages of grief, but are presented in a fairly more hopeful and optimistic fashion. Spe- Sketchbook Games also worked with the Welcome Trust to speak to children's psychologists about children going through certain traumas that are present in the game, and they could help use the game as dev- as a coping mechanism to help them go through their problems. And the team wanted to uh, create a sense of hope and joy to have a more positive impact on Izzy's journey and the people who play it. So it is a pretty thoughtful and cool thing to do this because children of video games and maybe they don't necessarily understand what they're going through and a video game could help them see other people go through what they're going through. It actually is a pretty cool coping tool. And this, like I said, the story is pretty crazy. Like I said, we, we have the diary, which is the, the real world, what's actually going on in Izzy's life. And then the story that she's writing, because Grandma encouraged her, is the story of 
Estonia. What we follow, I think her name in the game well, is... you get to name her. Oh, yeah. But I you, think you it's get like... To, you get to pick from three names and the color of her dress, apparently. Yeah. It's it's like Izzy, Abby, what's, it's, it's and like, Sandy. Okay. Well, I picked... It's, in the video here, they picked Robin. Yeah. I think I picked Robin as well. And Robin. you get a, it was a red, blue, or green dress or something like that. Uh, purple, green, and blue or something. Mm. And it and it affects your character model and it stays through the whole game, so that's pretty cool. As you go through, I keep saying Izzy's the character story. She is the guardian of the word, or she's in training to become a, a word guardian. Something like that. I don't remember that. Part. I forget. It's at the, it's at the intro. It's at the beginning, yeah. And so, because of that, you're the guardian of the word of of word. You go through the game and. You have tools, essentially. Instead of like it being like wall arms where you like send out a bomb or you're Kratos and you break through walls. Just a book of words. It's a book of words. Six magic words. And they are rise, break, silence, repair, burn, and swap. And each one has a specific use one thing is like, well, in order to climb those vines, you had to throw out silence so that your footsteps were silent so you could sneak up on those plants and yeah. stuff like that. Mostly just breaking stuff. Use rise quite a bit because you get, I think you get, you get it first. It's like elevators and platforms and just anything with. And water levels and stuff like that. Anything to raise yourself up. And burn, as you can tell, you just catch things on fire, which <laughs> clears. There is no put out, so be careful what you burn. It's not that sad a story. And I'm there's some pretty dark things that do happen that I don't necessarily want to ruin. Hey, there's some story stuff in here. You should let people kind of get to on, on their own. But uh, you, you, you do you do go back and forth between the like the real world. You, know, you don't actually see the real world. Okay, you, 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 that's just all in the diary. But when you go into es- Estonia, yeah, Estonia, Estonia is actually is like a whole different thing it's like three like a whole like like right now we're seeing the, the desert early the first one the first thing you do is like it's like a forest and the little, little village where robin or whatever your character's name is where she lives in the village and you're sent on some a quest because you're special like you and her she's writing a story where you're special and those work and those words play out on the screen as well but you're not climbing these words these words are just like playing across the screen and then you use your magic words to do to affect the environment in its own different graphic style. This is actually you, you interact with more than the... I did, yeah. I did kind of semi-forgot about that. It is a, a quote-unquote, living world. Yeah. It's filled with, like you said, like rocky desert landscapes, forests. There's a whole underwater one, and you're swimming through. And at key moments where, I guess, dialogue is said or something like that, it will have lines kind of plastered on the wall that you'll uncover as you go along and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I I did actually end up like I liked the game quite a bit. Yeah. I thought it was a pimping good time. Unfortunately without I don't want to spoil too much of the game, so I don't really have too much more to talk about. <laughs> there's a nice there's a, a very nice visual language that happens and the story itself is good too, but it's also the story's the reason to play. And not necessarily Estonia's story, but the real world diary story. Yeah. And what the Izzy goes through and how it affects. Because, like I said, you hit these some of these the black asterisks and it, like some dark lines are up here, 
and then that will actually come into Estonia where like there'll be a dark time in Estonia and it's kind of it's it's cool how the two go hand in hand about you know people's real life experience affecting their you know imagination and things like that it's really good yeah and like I said if 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 some kids do play through this with traumas and stuff like that I hope that it does help them yeah I wonder if they would pay enough attention to see that it's helping I, I, would, I would hope so <laughs> it can't help it's just addressing like the same thing now this is only this is not, this ain't only really addresses one particular trauma right well this is the five stages of grief so yeah so it's it's the loss of a not to say too much but it's the loss of a loss it's, it's loss yeah yeah so it kind of it's been you know it can do that so before I kind of let go I do want to talk about the the welcome trust the people who just kind of talk about them they're a charitable charitable foundation specifically focused on health, both mental and physical research. And they've been around since 1936. The aim of trust is to support science to, to solve urgent health challenges that are facing everyone. They had a financial endowment in 2020 from, I didn't say who, but they garnered 2.1 billion euros in 2020, making them the fourth most charitable foundation in the world, and I've actually never heard of them till this game, which well, is you're not you're not often looking up charities. No, but you hear about things like I guess the more mouthy ones. But I think I just think that's pretty cool that they are very you know they're doing everything they can and doing doing well. Apparently, it looks like I just thought that that was pretty cool. So if you have you know something to look into, if you have need. Yeah, and how do how do they give they they got it in so how's the developer they are they giving sale money to them or how, how does it work again? You might have that earlier. I might have missed it. I'm not entirely sure. It just says that Sketchbook also worked with them. I think they use them as an advisory role because they specifically asked the children psychologists about people going through this same trauma to make this a a coping to help this as a coping mechanism, and then I'm sure they donated. I'm sure proceeds of this go to it and stuff like that. But that's kind of it for Lost Words Beyond the Page. Do you have anything you would like to add, Drew? Uh, not really. I hate we give, I, I, like, I'd say it's a very, it's a very cool and unique. Like, we, we're, not, we're not selling it very well, not I don't think. It. When you're looking at it, like I'm watching the visual on another screen right now, and it looks really cool, but it's, but it's also talking a lot about what's going on. You kind of want to experience what we're... What we're yeah, seeing here, like I'm seeing different like puzzles and stuff play out. You kind of don't want to explain all that to somebody. Explaining the puzzles is not as interesting as using the magic words to do them yourself. This game, I will say, this game is uh, brand new. It's only fifteen dollars. Yeah, that's not bad. I wouldn't say. I mean, for this experience, I mean, four and a half hours. We're always we're always in that that weird zone of how much how much how much your money is your time worth. This was actually on our wish list to buy. We actually saw this before before it was on Game Pass. It was on our list to buy. It ended up coming on to Game Pass and then leaving Game Pass. So we ended up playing it when it was leaving Game Pass. But this is something we were actually eventually going to purchase. I guess we did, obviously didn't purchase for, for full price because we're extremely cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have ever paid $15 for it. But we got to think, too, is you're paying 15 bucks and some of those proceeds are going back to the charitable No fund. idea of knowing that unless it says it in the... Description on, on the Xbox. It might. Yeah, I don't know. What played on Xbox? <clears throat> uh, is that it? Without like ruining the story, which is the main reason to play that game. 
then yeah, I kind of think that's all I have yeah. to really talk about. Uh, click on on the show notes. Click on the game. I should have a trailer or some sort attached to it. I'm gonna try to find a trailer that shows both sides of the gameplay. Hopefully, if I do, I'm saying it now, but who knows if, what I'll find. Uh, click on that trailer and get an idea of what the game looks like and see if it looks interesting to you. But I, I recommend it. I mean, it's yeah, pretty, you should have played it while it was on Game Pass. But I think ten bucks or less, easy. Yeah, for sure. Ten bucks or less, hands down. Fifteen. <laughs> 10 bucks or less hands down yeah we're also very frugal maybe 15 bucks for you is like Psh. but I mean I get mad when I spend 13 bucks eating lunch so because <laughs> I'm a fatty yeah. but that's besides the point alright well that's that we, 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 we both recommend it yeah please go go check out Lost Words Beyond the Page and with that we'll, we'll get into this TV show section, which I don't know how long this is going to be because it, it encompasses like technically one thing, but like, but you, to talk about troll hunters, you got to talk about all of it. And Blake, Blake wanted to, Blake wanted to talk about the show really. That's why they, that's why he did that. That's why he did the other game was primarily talk about this show. So I let him get into it. This could, I don't know how long this is going to be. Cause I kind of want to get, I want to spend like out an hour on each section of this. I'll go through it quickly. Yeah. There's an important bits here. There's an important actor. Well, there's a couple of big actors, and there's a particularly important person who uh, was involved in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about, but uh, other than that, I'll let Blake uh, get into it. So, the TV show I will be talking about is called Troll Hunters. Well, technically, DreamWorks Troll Hunters: Tales of Arcadia. Guillermo del Toro's. Yeah, <laughs> DreamWorks. <laughs> From DreamWorks, Guillermo del Toro's Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia. Yes. Troll Hunters, like I said, is created for TV by Guillermo del Toro, based off a book series that he created with another gentleman, uh, Daniel Krauss. Now, the cool thing about this is Guillermo, always the visionary, is had originally pitched this as a live-action TV show, and they're like, no. Due to the a massive budget, it would have been the, the specifically the budgetary constraints. They're like, no, we can't. That's impossible. And he's like, oh, but he was, was he, so cool as a live action show. He loved the idea so much, and someone's like, well, turn it into a book because books are you can do anything you want in a book. And he's like, it's lower, like, lowering the bar so far. Yeah, he's like, cool. And so he ended up hooking up with Daniel Kraus who has actually worked uh, with a couple other people, primarily between Guillermo del Toro and uh, George A. Romero, and creating books. And they, boom, they started hammering out these books, and because Guillermo is so detail-oriented and so passionate about these things, he, you know, the, all the books came out fairly quickly. And DreamWorks, in hopes to find a new project... Uh, discovered that Guillermo del Toro was writing a series of children's books and came to him and was like, hey, word through the grapevine is you want to turn this into a live-action TV show. He's like, yeah. Are you guys going to do it? Oh, 
we can't afford a live no, action we're, TV we're show. Dream, we're DreamWorks. You not you should know who we are. So, have they done anything? What's the last thing they done before this? Uh, I don't know. Well, Shrek, right? I mean, they've done a lot of stuff besides just Shrek. I know, but Shrek was like, I mean, come on, there's like nine Shrek movies. Truly, you have, truly have DreamWorks notes. I didn't take, I don't care about DreamWorks. This wasn't about them. And they made the whole show. It wasn't about them, though. They had nothing, besides creating it, they didn't do anything with the art. They didn't do anything with the story. They were just a facilitator because they wanted to work with Guillermo. They came to him and said, we want to make this for yeah. you. If you don't have DreamWorks notes, it's hilarious. Can you talk about something else? I'll, I'll, I'll look up DreamWorks while you... As of 2016, they've made 51 programs and currently have 9 in development. Penguins of Madagascar, Kung Fu Panda, Monsters vs. Aliens, Turbo... So, so, they're all the, so they're all the Kung Fu Pandas. Well, they're, they're about to do that Puss in Boots movie. So, 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 it's about to come out. Yeah, yeah, so they're fine. The Crudes, uh, Voltron, the Legendary Defender, like, they're fine. Oh, yeah. We had Voltron on the show. Yeah. They were respond- The DreamWorks was that. Okay. So they're perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay. For just sake, we actually... So what are they doing recently? Well, they did that entire other Voltron show that we talked about. Yeah. Pretty early. A long time ago on the podcast. Man. So Voltron they, was better than... No. I'm not going to say compare... Well, I, I, I'm going to say... I, I think Voltron was better, better than this. Yeah. I liked Voltron better than I liked Troll Hunters, but uh, what are you gonna do? Anyway, beside because I, I it's wasn't about DreamWorks. <laughs> you got to talk about the people that are involved in making this whole thing happen. They did three TV shows and a movie for this. They're involved. I mean, mm. you know, there's DreamWorks. I talked about them. Rude. Yeah, the artist behind this whole thing is still Guillermo del Toro. They used his art and his words. He didn't draw this. They had artists, which is between him and that uh, Daniel Krauss fella. Anyway. Yeah, some vendetta against DreamWorks all the No, I just... I wasn't thinking about them. Go ahead. <laughs> right now, DreamWorks will never come on the podcast. Yeah, DreamWorks as a person. <laughs> and it's, it, the, it's all on Netflix. Do you want to talk about Netflix? Should I go into Netflix's whole thing since they helped be the streaming platform for them? Yeah. What are they doing recently? Besides lose... <laughs> Half their clientele. Half their clientele. And cancel all the shows and with them one season. I talked about them when I talked about sex education. I'm okay. No, you didn't. Yeah, because they're just a streaming platform. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Troll Hunters follows the story of a gentleman, uh, a young man, rather, uh, Jim Lake Jr. Uh, he lives in Arcadia Oaks, and on his way home from school, he discovers a sp- Special talisman, or amulet rather. It's an amulet, not a talisman. A special amulet that uh, gives him magical powers. Mm-hmm. And and endowing him with... There's a bit more build up to it than that. Yeah. But I mean, that all happens in the first episode. And then it is over the next three... Se- now, it, it's called the Tales of Arcadia Trilogy. It goes through Troll Hunters... The Tales of Arcadia, and then that runs three seasons or three seasons, fifty-two episodes, and then it jumps to three below, which is, instead of swords and sorcery, it actually takes a fantastical sci-fi approach mm-hmm. uh, with aliens that land in Arcadia, and that goes two seasons at twenty-six episodes, mm-hmm. and then it finalizes as a limited series. 
uh, 10 episodes of a show called Wizards. And then it all concludes, skipping over the video game, all concludes in a movie called Troll Hunters, The Rise of the Titans. That's a lot of stuff. It's a, it's, it's a lot, and it all goes together. Characters from one appear in the others. Uh, there's a slight backdoor pilots, which kind of like... Would you, I don't know if it's backdoor pilots if it was all planned. It, that's what I wanted to get to. It, it was actually 100% planned because there were a total of five writers. A Mark Guggenheim, Kevin Hagman, Dan Hagman, Aaron Walk, AC Bradley, and Chad Quadrant, as well as Guillermo. That's spread across all all of it. Yeah, they were the only ones, and they wrote the entire thing. Yeah. Specifically, because they wanted all to. The books were pre-written. I mean, yes, but they also wanted to have is a is a, co- a more coherent story because I think because how you know how all books work is like on book four they're like oh let's put in a flashback. That never happened except for we thought of it right now that makes it prevalent to this. So they kind of took all that together and made characters appear and people who were like, if you look in like episode one or two, one of the the main bully for like season one is a character named Steve and he's picking on, he, he picks on Jim, Jim's best friend Toby, another character who happens to appear in the background named Eli. He, and he just bullies him. And then in Three Below, Steve and him become friends and go on their whole other adventure and stuff like that. They made sure stuff, you know, stuff was pre- prevalent and made to uh, make yeah. more sense. I was going to say, I don't like how Steve ends up to like pretty much an ongoing joke by the end of it. Like a, like a, like a repeating ongoing joke. But he is cool. Not really. He don't ever really get like a moment really. It feels like it felt like somewhere like we can't we can't just focus on a whole podcast on Steve, but like you say, he's a bully in the beginning, and then like by the end he's like I can I, he's a friend and a helper, but he's just kind of like by the time you get to wizards like through wizards and in the, in the movie he's he's really just a joke, like like the same joke over and over again. Yeah, unfortunately, wasting a wasting a relatively famous person on voice acting him. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a sad note. Yeah. I, I guess I would do the sad first, and then I'll kind of get back to the happy. Is the character Jim Lake Jr. Uh, was voiced by the ever-loved Anton Yelchin, who has so many roles uh, before his untimely demise, which was just a freak accident. Yeah. Those who don't know who Anton Yelchin is, he was Chekhov in the first two remakes. He was, of, young. He was young. young. His career was blowing up. Yeah, it was actually just blowing up because mm-hmm. he had man he had got starring roles. He was Chekhov in the Star Trek one and two, the Abrams remakes, as well as he's in uh, the Green Room, mm-hmm. opposite oddly enough Patrick Stewart and a few other people. Imogen Potts, Poots, I think it's Potts Poots, as well. He was in Odd Thomas, and he's in so many things. He was already landing lead like Odd Thomas. He's the star of. He was. The lead in that, and he was in the remake of Fright Night, opposite mm-hmm. Tony Collette. It's a very cool, very fun movie. Was it Tony Collette, Christopher Mintz, Plaz, and Colin Farrell, as well as surprising uh, David Tennant? Yeah, very fun. Movie. Like he he was up and coming, and then just a freak accident. Yeah, happened, and he's not with us anymore. R.I.P. I just yeah, 
there's a there's a note in there's in one of the credit things for because he did like the first whole first season probably of Troll Hunters because there's three seasons and he hold on I actually have it wrote down here there's a total of fifty two episodes of Troll Hunters uh, the first part yeah. and he did one through forty one wow that's good part of what yeah and then the the forty 42 to 52 which is just 10 episodes they used bits of his dialogue because he didn't finish recording that and the studio actually fought Guillermo on that for a little bit like why we we we, we know we, we have to unfortunately we have to cast a new actor we have to do this and he's like no we're using his dialogue mm-hmm. and they're like but we can't go back and like have him a and d we're using his dialogue and Guillermo said it had a lot to do with the fact that he was such a, a, a young man that he kind of, and Guillermo himself being a father of young children, he had a paternal mm-hmm. love towards him and wanted to make sure that, because he loved everything. What are the last things he did? Yeah. He loved everything he did, and he said that Anton loved working with them, and he loved, you know. Imagine, imagine a live-action Troll Hunters where Anton Yochin was James Lake Jr. That, yeah, that would been really cool. Man. But he said he fought the studio for a while, and they finally caved because they they he wasn't he was like I'll walk away, and they're like okay well we're sorry for pushing, you know we'll find someone to fill in the blanks, and it made it, it did make it harder for the studio because they had to match to the dialogue, as opposed to writing scenes and having him match the lip flaps. Yeah, don't, don't care about honoring anybody's memory. Yeah, and we ended up getting a. Uh, Emil Hirsch, mm-hmm. who's he's, he's a good actor. He's fine. He was in like um, oddly enough, uh, we had just watched that movie, The Evening with Beverly Loughlin. Mm-hmm. He was the husband who who robbed Abigail uh, Abigail uh, Abu Plaza's cousin's store. He was one of the dudes who he was the manager of that ice of that store. Oh, that's him. Yeah, oh, okay. the one who kept not not the, the the fat one, the old one. He was the the manager. That that's him, Emil Hirsch. Oh, so he voiced the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. He was also in uh, he was in the Girl Next Door with Abigail something. Breslin. No, it's uh, but in, in regard, Emil Hirsch is a is a, he's a pretty big face too. Yeah. And I'll try to hop off some of the sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other voice actors, I'm not going to get into too much because unfortunately this is like one of their first things because mm-hmm. Guillermo does like discovering new talents. Jim's best friend, Toby is voiced by Charlie Saxton who has done some like Disney channel stuff and Nickelodeon that I didn't know what any of it was. Mm-hmm. And same thing for Claire Nunez, which is voiced by Lexi Medrano and this is the only thing she's done. She did one episode of like a Mexican TV show, mm-hmm. and then this. She's pretty good though. Oh yeah, she was fantastic. She's got a lot of character to her. And 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 and, and but that's it. That's the only two roles she's ever done. Even after, even after this, she hasn't done anything else. Well, she 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 did. But well, why? She was constantly doing this. That movie. That movie just come out. Like last year, twenty one, I think. I wish she'll get other work. <laughs> She definitely deserves to. She definitely deserves to. And at the very least, she's young. She she could be in some live action stuff. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I thought she did a heck of a job. As far as like star studded casting, there is a list, and it goes on for a while. I will try to plow through it as quickly as I can. Well, is it, so is there like major stars, and then there, are there like other stars that drop in for smaller pieces? Or I avoided those. These are like people who have um, reoccurring roles at the yeah. very least, reoccurring to major main roles. Yeah. 
Okay. How many? How many? <laughs> There's a few. Can you hit like who they are? Or maybe one other major thing. They, I know one's a couple of them are easy. A couple of them are easy that I, I'm not. You even can know. name one thing they've done. You're like, okay, I know who that is, and you can name one thing that she's done. You obviously know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Kelsey Grammer, who voices Blinky or Blinkus, aka Blinky, who is essentially the mentor role to Jim Lake Jr. to the Troll Hunter. Kelsey Grammer, uh, Frazier. That's all you need to know. Yeah, he's Frazier. He's done a lot of other stuff, but he's Frazier. Oh, yeah. And his cohort, which is a gentleman named Arg, who is voiced by Fred Tataskori. He primarily, good lord, he has a very massive repertoire, including... Yosemite Sam, Tasmanian Devil, Solomon Grundy, Hulk, a beast from various Marvel projects. Uh, he just goes on and on. He is he's been he's been active only since '99. I say only, but that's almost 20 years ago, almost 30 years ago. And he is just all over the place when it comes to he's he's probably frankly the biggest voice work they had. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to like a actual number of number of things, yeah. Uh, he's he's fantastic. You you've heard his voice in everything. You think a show he's done voice work in it. I'll just say that much. I don't want to go into detail on everything he's done. A few of the offshoots, uh, the ever present in Guillermo del Toro movies is Ron Perlman. He comes in and voices the main bad guy, or the main bad guy's son for the first three seasons. He's Balar, and then his father, who's stuck in the Darklands, Gunmar, is voiced by Clancy Brown. And then we said earlier, uh, Steve the Bully is uh, voiced by Steven Yun. We also have, in some later seasons, uh, Mark Hamill, who plays Dictatious. He comes in and is prevalent through... A little bit here and there. He sort of is like a bad guy, and I think he kind of takes a backseat kind of role. Yeah. That's Blinkus' brother. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we have Lita Headey, who is Cersei Lannister, comes in and plays uh, Morgan Le Fay. Yeah. But that doesn't really hit off until later in the season. That's like season three, and then she comes back for Wizards. Yeah. And then we have the wizard Merlin, who created the Troll Hunter amulet, and which also has the whole saying, it's like a Green Lantern saying, it's like, was it Daylight is Mind... By Merlin's name, Daylight is Mine to Command. Something like that, yeah. Uh, and Merlin is voiced by David Bradley, which is, he's an older gentleman. He's a huge British actor. His Probably the easiest thing people will know is he is Walder Frey in Game of Thrones. Another Game of Thrones person, yeah. He's done a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. We also have, these characters don't become related until Three Below, but we have Tatiana Maslany, which we've talked we've talked about Orphan Black on here. We love Tatiana Maslany and uh, She Hulk more recently. Oh yeah, oh yeah, forgot we haven't watched that yet. But she's the new She Hulk. Uh, we have Diego Luna. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was from like Rogue One, and he's uh, popped up in a couple other Star Wars projects. And then we have Nick Offerman. Oh yeah, I forgot he's in this glorious battle. Glorious, and he Nick Offerman comes in and plays a fantastically bombacious character. And the last one is a gentleman named Jonathan Hyde. You may not recognize the name Jonathan Hyde, but um, you recognize his voice and 
where to go? I'm trying to pull his face up so you recognize him. He's the voice of Stricklander, who is an adversary who becomes a mentor, who becomes a father figure. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> like he sees him because Jim Lake's dad's gone, and this guy, you know, he's just a prominent male figure who treats him both with respect as well as adversity. But Jonathan Hyde. Uh, he he was the butler in Richie Rich. He's an Anna, He's in Anaconda. He's in the Mummy. He's in uh the Strain, another Guillermo project. Uh, him. That's Jonathan Hyde. Oh yeah, you recognize him in the he's Stricklander. Yeah, he's also in Jumanji. It's another like, another actor who could have played it perfectly in the live action. Oh God, yes, he looks like he could be that character. And God, there's so many roles yeah. that dude's been in, but I won't get into those. But that's, and that's a and there's so many other people that have like a one time we you know one stop shop that come in for one no guest stars yeah yeah and they're it's a it's a truly fantastic show that as it goes on does get a little darker a little bit it may I don't know like wizards and then the movie well the movie was okay I guess wizards was strange we also watched wizards like a couple of years like we'd watch the first two things kind of as we watch as we watch troll hunter season one two and three. Like three below come out, so we we back we ran right into that and watched three below immediately, and then we then we kind of sort of forgot about it until Wizards came out. Then even with it when it came out, we kind of still forgot about it. And just recently, a few months ago, yeah, we watched Wizards and the movie. So it was like weird trying to catch up because Wizards kind of hits the ground running. Yes, it like, does it not fast, hold your It's hand. one of the fastest paced things I've ever I've ever, I've ever watched in my life because it's got like ten episodes to like combine everything from the first. Because Wizards is barely like Three Below kind of has its own contained thing. Wizards has a little bit of that, but then like a lot of Wizards is combining the first two things into this new thing with these new characters, and it's just like it's a lot, it's a lot to take in, as well as serving as a. a prequel it gives you a bunch of a ba- bit, yeah. a background so like story a, yeah, on a whole bunch of it, characters and events that make it relevant to the rest of the season as well as to the finale yeah wizards was kind of a trip i was kind of just like it was sometimes hard sometimes hard to follow and there's bits of um what do you call it uh was plot conveniences to to make sure they couldn't they couldn't spend like like in the in troll hunters you could spend you could spend a few episodes trying to solve a problem yeah in this, or just like we got ten episodes, we got to do, we got to, you got to solve it t- ten minutes from now. You got to solve this. Yeah, you know. So it was just like it was just, it was just moving so quickly. I think it wasn't, it wasn't good. This ain't the, it's not the best thing I've ever seen. But it was, just, I did not, not enjoy it. I, I'm, I'm slightly worried that, I think again, unfortunately for Guillermo in the production costs, I think he wanted to do something more. But due to maybe the I, ratings I, or something, I wonder if all if it was if it was supposed to be like three seasons, like this big epic three seasons each, mm-hmm. massive thing, and they had all all culminate into this one big. Because well, I don't remember Three Below's pacing, but I know Wizards' pacing was out of this. Three world. Below's was a little rapid pace too, but it was also doing its own thing based off the ending of the season three of Troll Hunters, where he had to they left to go on a separate adventure. Yeah, which I don't kind of don't like that because they kind of come back to them. They come back to the troll hunter crew, like after this adventure and like stuff has happened. I don't, I feel like that's what the missing pieces. Yeah. Cause stuff happens to the troll hunter crew when you're, when the, when the other stuff is happening, but you don't see that stuff. You, you just kind of Coming hear about the it. Aftermath, exposition. Yeah. Like you just, they just exposition it really quickly. And I was like, Oh, that, that means they had 
more stuff to tell that they didn't get a chance to tell probably more adventure or mm-hmm. just whatever they had to do to put together. Like maybe, I don't know. It just seems like it didn't, but they did manage to get like, what's her name? Lena H- H- Morgan Lefay in season in troll hunters. Cause you got to bring her back in wizards. Yeah. And tie her because she's tied to Everything. the past of of wizards to come back to the future. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, it's it's a kids show, but I mean, what age of kids are gonna be gonna be following this this line of quests and yeah. plots and time travel and a lot of stuff? Even like the main character, the main character of wizards. Well, it it really becomes an ensemble. Yeah, you didn't talk about the main character's voice in wizards. Uh, Duxy. Yeah. Uh, that's his full name, but you know about his voice actor. He's like the main new introduced character of Wizards, but he ends up messing with time, and there's like two versions of him running around. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> things get a little wonky. He was oh, where'd he go? He was played by Colin O'Donohue. Colin O'Donohue is primarily uh, he started as uh, okay. Th- this is pretty cool. In that show, Once Upon a Time, the ABC show, mm-hmm. he was Captain Hook. I, I can't put a face to it. But. Okay, well, yeah, but he was pretty big in that. He was, like, But he went on, it literally does, kind of looks familiar. Uh, but he was, yeah, that was his like, big thing before he got into other stuff. There's a few other major, so you, you, I don't know what to it's boring maybe to, to folks we talk about voice actors, but there's a few bigger characters in Wizards. You didn't mention too many Wizards characters. Who's like, is anybody like, uh, well, I don't want to like spoil story. Well, you mentioned all the other characters. I mean, this is, this is King, King Arthur and then Dukesy's little dragon cat friend and yeah, who, Arthur. his dad. Like who are, they, are these all just random people? I mean, not random necessarily, but I, that was a trying to avoid going into every single bur- person okay well if they're not major people major voice actors then i wouldn't worry about it it's a, because because uh, you went to the whole you went to the whole cast of the first two things and then didn't mention wizards at all yeah a <laughs> little you bit every all the three main characters of three below yeah okay well the, the tom kenny comes in and plays a, a, pre, a prevalent role God, people know who tom kenny is I'm he, he's spongebob <laughs> and now there's a character named uh she she's in like she comes she again Starts out as a bad guy, becomes kind of a a villainess, and then like is like a good guy on like terms. But she's the Nakamura, one of the other changeling who leaps and has the dual swords, the purple one with the long hair. Yeah, she's kind of a background character. She comes in back and forth, but she was voiced by um, Lauren Tor, who's the voice of Amy Wong from Futurama. That's cool. Yeah, but you're going back into you're going back I into Troll Hunter characters again, but. Some say you, you must have no wizard's notes if you go, go right back in it. That's fine. I don't remember recognizing any voices from wizards, if I'm being honest. Like we, we, me and Blake are pretty into the voice actor. We like a lot of voice. We, we love the work of voice acting and love that kind of... As we complain all the time about video games that don't have voice actors, you can tell me and Blake are really into voice actors and their careers and the cool stuff that they do. Probably he's not interested enough to see the wizards of voice actors, which is fine. Mm-hmm. So, so Wizards is very complicated and crazy, which leads into they decided to. I wonder what the I wonder what the discussion was was in, if it was originally planned to end in a movie, which is really just like a long ass episode. Yeah, I I definitely think it was planned to be longer, just for the sheer fact of season season one for Troll Hunters is twenty six episodes. Yeah, and then literally every other season after that 
including Wizards and Three Below, is 13 episodes a season. Got to scale back. So they, they, they definitely had to scale back, which I think is also what... I don't remember. Does Troll Hunters lollygag? Yes and no. That's the thing with modern... That's why modern TV is so short. People's attention spans are so low, but I wonder if Troll Hunters lollygagged at all. I don't, I don't remember. I don't think it did. I think there were some things where like... Because Jim Lake Jr. has to... It does like... I don't want to give him too much credit, but does the, the dual identity thing, the Spider-Man thing of being a troll hunter and then being Jim Lake Jr. Yeah, it doesn't last very long. Eventually, everybody knows who he is. Yeah. I mean, like... Also, not, not only does everybody know who he is, everybody who matters becomes a hero on, on their own right. In their own right, yeah. Like, it, it, that is the other thing, too, is he doesn't completely just disregard the side characters. They all come up and... To their own strength, even there's even there's even sections even this where like Jim's useless. Yeah, and everyone else has to. I, I, I did not want to talk about that because that's pretty awesome for yeah, the we, story. We won't say why, but there are parts where Jim Lake is is rendered useless in a lot for various reasons. Not a lot, but like it happens a lot. Well, mostly a lot through wizard, like in the way wizards and stuff like that. He was. It's the, maybe it's the spotlight of the characters or something like that. But like that's something that happens to him that happens. I feel like in off. Doesn't he come back messed up? He comes back messed up and they talk about it. Yeah, that's one of those things where you miss the out. The Green Knight or whatever, yeah, which is whatever. prevalent in Arthurian legends. But I think I, I definitely think they had plans to do more. Definitely. But then with budget screens, like, yeah, let's you know, you know, viewership is failing and this, that, and the other. And they're like, well, we don't want to dis- you know, disrespect Guillermo. Let's finish it. But I liked the majority of it, there were a few things, like you said, with Steve, he could have been made better. Yeah, I want him to, like, have a, like a, I thought they were going to use him. Like, he goes to, like, not West Florida, but he, he's, he, like you say, he's a, he's a mean bully, kind of a dumb, he's like a weird, tough bully guy in the first season of the show, and then throughout it, he becomes more and more dorky, and more of a loser, and, like, eventually he spends the last, he spends most of Wizards, in the movie, just there's this scream he does, which I I assume they, I assume uh, Stephen Young did one time in a recording, and everybody thought it was really funny. So he kept he, they they just turned that into Steve's character. The scream is funny the first two or three times, but twenty and twenty five times later, you're like, okay, I get it. It's funny. Yeah, I wonder if it has something to do because Stephen Young might be he may have been busy. He had a, a lot of voice regular dialogue too. I wonder if. And he's in, he's in it throughout. Like he's he's not. Even, they don't even they don't even background Steve. Like he's 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 in, in the main front. He was training. He goes to train with Lancelot, right? Said, yeah. I thought he was going to do this whole this whole this whole like become a badass thing. He kind of kind of just putters out. Unfortunately, I thought I thought this would be a whole cool thing where Steve's going to because everybody else gets I forget how, but like the other two characters get magic powers. Of course, it's a, it's a kid's thing. Everybody gets a magic power, but Steve doesn't. I mean, he he gets the uh, he gets a hot alien girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a ninja. He does. He does. Don't spoil me. He does because <laughs> of how aliens work. He he gets pregnant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Through a, what is it? A hug. Uh, the seventh kiss. The seventh kiss, and he ends up being pregnant. It's really that that part. That part was funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I I I guarantee it probably had a lot to do with. The budget restraints and having to start like we got to start focusing towards the end. Yeah. And so like, oh, he's he's this, and they just kind of pigeonholed Steve. He definitely it would have been cool to have seen him be a bit of a a night badass. Yeah. To find his place, you know. Yeah. 
Because it, it even hints pretty hard at it. Oh, yeah. In Wizards. like He's being trained by Lancelot and Goldino. Some other, some other things come along, and he's just like supposed to like step up, and it's just like nothing. Yeah, it was a little sad. Yeah. But, you know, that, that happens sometimes with shows like this. Like, oh, we got to start tying up loose ends. Let's just, this is this character. Yeah. But, you know. I love the show and I fully support support it and I, I would like for everyone to watch it. Yeah. You ain't got to play the game. No. You don't, don't, don't worry about the game. But watch the show. Watch the show. It's on Netflix forever now. It ain't going nowhere. I mean, dang, is that really it? I feel like, I mean, it's a, it's a whole... We're, there's we're, a whole we're lot of, over a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of stuff I want to talk about, but that, that's in-game stuff that... Anything specifically in the movie you want to talk about that without spoilers? There's a cool character, one of the bad guys that's in oh, Wizards. Oh God, yes. Where he, she talks, but when they talk, it's a man actor. I don't know how they did. I don't know why they. How they? How, is there anything? Everybody didn't find out. Don't know. But when they talk, it 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 kind of fuses between a, a male and a female mm-hmm. actor. It's really creepy. Yeah. But and done and done very cool. Not the most brilliantly used villains, really. The the, the, the like the final villains or whatever. But the way that particular, I love that talking where the dual voices was kind of cool because it, it wasn't like t- at the same time. It was kind of like fusing in between back and forth. And certain really- words needed a more male inflection while other words needed a more feminine inflection. Yeah. And it was done so up. I don't know. It may have been the same voice. I, I don't know. We should, yeah. should, should look into that. Well, it, it didn't like it, it didn't pop up in that huge roster of like reoccurring characters and stuff like that. So yeah. it's like the, it ended up being the main the main bad guys trying to like. What all bad guys want to do is in the world. They're actually like these ancient god things that are meant to. They're meant to reset the world. They're meant to like reset the world back to one if things are going poorly. According to them, if things are going poorly, they're supposed to reset the world back to just reset the world basically, which involves these the the titans. That's the rise of the titans. They have these. Uh, each of the each of these three bad people. Well, they're not, are they bad necessarily? They're like these ambivalent kind of things that are kind of portrayed kind of bad. But they're supposed to. Uh, they each activate these titans, the quote unquote titans, and the titans have to meet. Can yeah, all three have to meet at a certain point on the planet, and that activates a thing that wipes the planet? Is that is that how that generally right? Essentially, yeah. They, they're going to restart the world the back three, to zero. The three titans had to meet at like a a pivotal, like a like a ley yeah. line or something like that, and then it But so anyway, all the good guys have to stop that from happening. And titans, the titans look cool. Oh yeah, the to all the titans, the the elemental titans look f- badass. Frankly, I God, there's so much to talk about, and so many other voice actors that are prevalent. She doesn't come in until Wizards, but she serves a pretty epic role. She's Callista the Nameless. She's a, a troll that gets put out, but ser- she'll serve a greater role later. Is voiced by Stephanie Bietz, which is D- Detective Rosa Diaz. Oh, I knew that was her. Yeah. I had no idea that was her. That was her. And as well as, like you said, Archer, which is uh, du- Duxie's, like little familiar dragon cat. Uh, and that's voiced by... That was Alfred Milano. Yeah, really? Freaking Doc Ock, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I can hear that. I can't hear I it. I can hear it. Can you hear it? I yeah. don't listen to the dialogue again. That's really cool. And like I said, there's so many people. And you're right, it is. They actually did have... Uh, uh, they had a male voice actor and a female voice actor doing these roles. Talking together? Mm-hmm. Bell Rock, specifically. Very cool. Mm-hmm. 
It'd be cool to think of that think of that kind of character. I wish the character was, it was cooler. Yeah. <laughs> the character itself is not terribly cool, but uh, it's a cool way of doing it. Yeah. And then some of these people don't even have clickable names, so it may have been like their first role. Yeah. But it is it is a pretty fantastic show. Yeah, you can see there's a lot more put into Troll Hunters. Yes. Season one, two, and three. Like that's really where they had to. I think you could just you could tell that we're going to end this because we're, we're starting to talk in circles. Talking circles, but you could tell when you watch all of Troll Hunters, it's a whole huge thing. But even I say the way, way it even ends and they run off for another adventure, you clearly Guillermo had a lot of things rolling around in his head. Like even season three of that ends and there's a whole other adventure that happens behind the scenes that we don't we don't see. So like who knows how long he actually wanted this to all be? And maybe some stuff could have been trimmed up. I mean, it's all out now; it doesn't matter. There won't there probably won't be any more Troll Hunters stuff. But you do kind of see it kind of pick up pace and kind of you can kind of see where they're cutting corners somewhere in some places, but. Everybody's giving a hundred percent effort at all times. Like all the voice actors are doing great. The the uh, I would say right, I'll say right now for DreamWorks, since Blake wants to talk bad about them, the show's art and visuals never falter. Oh, it's it's it never is. it's never like oh we're in a hurry we can't we can't make this look good anymore. Like there's never none of that. Like you said, like even I mean just all of it and like it and it looks good enough that you would say that like quote unquote the last thing is a movie. The movie doesn't dramatically look better. Like the show always remains a solid thing of quality from start to finish. There is no dip where they're like, we just can't do it this season. We got to rush this stuff out. Like I, I will give them the credit that Blake won't give them that they, uh, the show stayed looking the way it looking as good as it could look. I mean, I'm not saying it looks bad. It looks really cool. There's an art, distinct art style to it. And it, and it, it maintains that throughout. Yes, like the, the 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 quality art quality doesn't dip at all. Yeah, they do give it their best. I was, I was looking into the books because the the first book came out in 2015, just called Troll Hunters, and it's funny. It, the the first book came out 2015. DreamWorks immediately said, "Hey, we want to make this in 2016," and then the second book came out in 2017. It literally the second book and third book were 2017, then 2018 were book four, five, and six, and seven. And then they did three below book as 2019. And then a comic book, two of them came out and both also in 2018. And then they started focusing on the TV show. It looks like. I assume the show was happening while they were doing their lizards books or comic books. Mm -mm. So lizards was made straight to a show. Yeah. That would explain maybe some of its expedited nature. And also may have, it may have, um, Done some of because there's a book right here called Wait. Oh, actually, it looks like there's some stuff they didn't put in because right here is um, Age of the Amulet, which kind of could consist of wizards because it's the origin of the amulet, and then the Way of the Wizard, which could be that's, that's Earl Hunter's Way of the Wizard. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like that stuff was made into wizards. And then there's one right here called Angor Reborn, which is Angor Rot. He's like one of the main villains of season one. Mm-hmm. And then they—it's like reusing an old bad guy, though. Yeah, secret history of troll kind and the Feld with their comic books. So they may have been doing some like background work and stuff like that. Yeah, cool. I'm not—I'm not reading the books. No, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if like they have a if they're audio booked and they have some good voice actor, who knows? But I'm kind of done talking about it. I don't really have anything else to add <laughs> besides, like it's. I'm doing a, a a poor job. I know I am, but it is a really good show. 
filled with 110% effort on everyone involved. And it, it, it's definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. That it? Yeah, do you have anything you would like to add? No, I guess that's kind of it. Wrap it. We can wrap it up here. We'll wrap up here with, I want to thank Jared Jones of Emerge for letting us use the song Letting Go as our intro, of course. We love it. It's very cool. Hope to see them in uh, concert very soon. Look them up on their website or wherever you can find them on whatever you like, any kind of social media because they are playing a couple of shows in the area and a couple of different states around around nearby. So you, you might be closer to them than you think. Who knows? To go see them live and meet uh, Jared and tell him the guys from the here that Lockstock sent him sent you his way. He'll be ha- really happy to hear that. Uh, I want to thank Miladin Markovic aka devious pixel for the art for this podcast and all the art involved in this podcast he's a really cool guy look back through our catalog episodes here you'll find an interview with him he's a really really fun guy to talk to we thought he was pretty interesting and i enjoyed that quite a bit and uh yeah i think that's all i got i think i tossed some toss something out for another podcast last episode that's all i already got the again bits of time a podcast that i've been listening to some nice guys on there so give them a listen if, if you like our podcast or how our podcast jumps around all over the place to different. We're not we're not just like I said. I, I look for podcasts that aren't just talking about the now and the new hotness. Yeah, new hotness. They're fi- finally another podcast that I found that's not just the new hotness. So go check out Bits of Time. Their t- their their games are just all over the board and they have a pretty good time together talking about them. So look them up. And that's all I got. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, follow us on the Twitch at least and come to our Twitch streams of Grounded. And when we get to some sort of stopping, I don't. I guess there is a story end of grounded. If there's some sort of stopping point of grounded, we will announce what's next and come join us for those things. After we do that, uh, before too long, we will have. I don't know when we'll do it, but we will have a three smoking controllers episode at some point to talk about Dark Souls three. I imagine. Oh yeah, we'll throw that together before too long. I try not to put that too close to a guest episode because it's Brian's technically part of this, but still mm-hmm. sort of a guest. It'd be kind of confusing. Yeah. It's confusing just talking about it. But that's all I got. Thanks for listening. Come to our Twitch streams. Uh, I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night.